going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Well, what a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it Monday? It, it is Monday. It is Monday. Um, October 8th. October 8th. Kavanaugh is... Confirmed. Confirmed. And uh, on Friday, I watched the senators as they were saying why they were going to vote. Mm-hmm. This way or that away. Mm-hmm. Um, ladies and gentlemen, and other Ted Cruz, his time is coming up. Uh, he will have an opponent. Um, please vote him out. He is a disgusting piece of shit. So that's up. What was my experience was ex- uh, on Friday, even though people were like, maybe it won't happen. I was like, it's going to. I could certainly feel it. Entered into a lethal rage, depression motif. Mm-hmm. And um, how about you? I have like a mid range, like very numbing kind of depression. Mm hmm. I was talking to Juliana last night with Jeremy after the show, and I was like, oh, how are you? And she just said, well, I cry in the city. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that's right. Um, so that, yeah. I've, I haven't, like, felt really happy, and I was asking myself why. Mm. And then I remembered. Yeah, yeah. Why? You're like, why haven't I felt, like, joy? Right. It's not only, like, that everything's garbage, but also, like, it's mid-October, it's 80 degrees outside. You know, it's not... It's uncomfortable. Mm. I feel uncomfortable. Today, I was I was looking through... I always like to return to watching um, the opening of Melancholia. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it feels so familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she looks... feel like the end of the world. ...at her hands and the electricity comes out of the fingertips, mm-hmm. I thought, it's me. It was me then, and it's super me now. Um, However, I am more than willing to be uh, as active as possible um, in terms of doing everything I can to uh, push back. I called called Susan Collins. You did it. It didn't work out. No. No. I don't think she heard my message. (laughs) You can leave a message, and you know she was like, just delete all of that. I want... That's kind of how she talks, by the way. Well... You know. Um, she, I watched an interview with her. I tried to leave Flake a message, but it was, it was busy. What a piece of shit. He was like, I, I really, yeah, I mean, what she said, we've really got to have this investigation. Never mind. You know, he's like, F- fuck them. Just like these garbage people with their, like, desire to just have, it's about money. It's about, and also it's, uh, it's about race and it's about misogyny. So, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Flake and Collins didn't hear anything that you had to say. Incredible, Murkowski, though. Thank you. I'm one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brave. But but to turn. And then what? This, and then, like, that crazed Democrat. What is Manchin's problem? I just can't even. A piece of shit. Manchin. Mm-hmm. It's a Democrat in West Virginia. Yeah. He voted for But you know what's amazing? What? Until Trump became president, I don't know who these people were. Oh, me neither. We know stuff now. Oh, yeah. And you know what they say? Knowledge is, is power. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was really hoping you would say the not word I was saying. <laughs> Knowledge is disappointment. And yeah. in that disappointment, you can use it for revenge, which I mean, is hopefully. my favorite. 
Um, I want to make corrections. Oh, to what? The podcast. Okay. Okay. Which They're podcast? just from the past couple episodes. Okay. So I called John Jasper's show japanese but the musician was Korean. I just want to point that out. What I thought he was a Japanese musician. was that one in? I don't know. Last one. Harper. The one with Harper. Yeah. Okay. I thought all the collaborators were Japanese, but one was Korean. Okay. Okay, so. I also, I'm also glad that you... I corrected that. that. Yeah. Okay, Thank another you. correction <laughs> is that Aubrey Plaza was not on The Office. She was on Parks and Recreation. Okay, I didn't see that. I was just those. tired okay. when I said that. All right. Okay. My third correction is more generally about the Choreographic Institute, which we were very critical of last week, but it is on the up and up because now Adrian, our friend, is the new director of it and oh. it's getting better. Oh, Adrian's the director? Yes. We have, I need to send her a text to find out how her foot's coming. It's printed in the program. Her foot is printed in the program. Can you imagine? They did a story about it in the Playbill. <laughs> they didn't. No. Oh, no. No, you're going back to Choreographic Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have gagged if they had been like, look at the spiral fracture of Adrian Claire. I mean, it would be really um, something. I need to stop saying Adrian Claire. It's okay. Instagram it's, counts. It's Well, it's also just a far easier last name for me to say. Yeah. It's Well, I, he has like, you know, progressive parents who hyphenated and made everybody's life hard. That's good for them. Yeah. Though I love his parents. It's great. Love. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for those corrections. You're and welcome. now, um, I'm sure there's more. I'm just not thinking of them. Moving on. You saw a ton of dance. I saw all the dance. You really saw all of it. Um, I'm gonna save everything I have to say about Beth Gill. Like I'm. Just oh, okay. I'm only gonna talk about Beth. Okay. So would you like to talk about? Okay. Anything. I saw. I saw Brandenburg, Anna Trace to Kiersmacher, which I know other people didn't like, and pe- it was pro- there were problems, but I enjoyed myself. I loved that music. I thought it looked great. I really liked the costumes. The dancers felt very human. I And, and I figured out the structure like right away, which helped mm-hmm. me, because mm-hmm. in the middle of the show, I turned to who I was seeing the show with, and he was going... Who did you see it with? With Kirsten. Uh-huh. And he was like, I didn't like that guy. And I was like, what guy? He was like, you know, the guy. And I was like, the harpsichord? And he was like, no, the guy who was dancing. I was like, yeah, the harpsichord? <laughs> and he was like, no, he was dancing. not the." Har-. I was like, he was the harpsichord. the harpsichord. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so right. I realized that other people didn't understand it. Whoa. And that must have made it really hard. Oh, wow. They didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. So that helped me a lot. Yeah. We do have a privileged viewership. And there was really cute dog in it. I know that dog just really. I love it. I think it was a border collie. I don't know. It was really it good. I'm like glad. It was dog. in the show for two minutes and I thought it was great. Uh-huh. It was a two hour show, no intermission. But those two minutes with that dog. I loved it. Um, so I liked the show. Okay. I saw, um, I saw New York City Ballet again just to confirm what I felt about Kyle's piece, which I still do. And they did Polchinella, Justin's Dance, which is so great. You love Polchinella. I, I wish I would have seen it. And you love Cosby's, which I wish I would have seen. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, these pieces someday. Okay. Then I also saw Deborah Hay at MoMA, which I don't feel one way or the other about it, but I'll just quickly describe it, which is that, like, all these New York dance luminaries walked in and just, like, just posed against these pipes. And then they try to match each other or mirror each other. And then the dancers not mirroring or matching would correct them until they were perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. But 
through extremely loud music, so they would scream at each other, but you couldn't hear them anyways. Mm. And I had earplugs in because Nancy Dalva, before the show, was like, you'll need these. And she handed them to me. <laughs> Incredible. I love, not not even 40, and someone's coming up to you and being like, oh, Reed. Well, I gave her my gonna need these. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, here's some earplugs. Yeah. And I was like, thank this you. This is so correct. She uh-huh. knew I'd need them. Yeah. And yeah. then... I saw a showing at the Trisha Brown studio of a piece that they're performing for their BAM season, which was great. The dancers are so good. It was nice to see Dancy Dance. And it's a piece between Newark the and... piece that was made between Newark and Set and Reset, and I don't know what it's called. But it was it was sort of the bridge between the two. It was needed mm. to be made, but no one cares about it. But it's great. It's a nice dance. Ugh. I love both of those pieces, so I want to see the piece that's made between... And then I saw Silas and Rashawn, and I saw Roseanne Spradlin, and I saw, I already told you I saw John Jaspers. Last night we saw Beth Gill. Am I missing something? I don't know. I felt like you were seeing literally everything, and I came down from upstate and... uh, I saw a lot of things. That's it. All right. Beth Gill. Beth Gill we went last night. I really, I, I, as, as people who listen to the podcast know, You're I am. the biggest fan. <laughs> I, I might be, I, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, what she's working on in terms of the level of detail and what she's bringing out in these archetypal transmissions, it feels, it, it's so incredible. I, 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 I was texting people being like, you have to see this show. I mean, I, I, a, st- a former student of mine called to ask for advice, and I said, are you seeing Beth Gill? And he said, well, I don't know, and da-da-da. And I said, I, you, you have to see the work, actually. It's, it, this would be... I also saw Fall for Dance. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Go. Mm-hmm. Goldberg sure. Creations. That was oh, good. Saw it. Really good. Um, uh, but they didn't do the whole thing. They couldn't no. have done the whole thing. And then they Justin and Patricia did a duet, which was mm-hmm. nice, and something else happened. Gemma Bond, which was good, and then I left before Paul Taylor. Sorry, Paul Taylor people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to go. Yeah, I get it. I've already seen that piece. I, and yeah, and I deeply get it. Beth Gill. I'm going to come back to Beth. So, and it's it's work that I, I, and so I had some friends who got to see the work last night who also hadn't seen the work before, deeply moved, who know dance, who, who come from theater. And uh, I, I mean, I turned to my friend afterwards who was just crying. I am so obsessed with Beth's work. I feel, but I also, feel, I, was, I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the, the shows that, where I've had a very cathartic experience in this past year, and it's Beth and um, Aaron Markey's show. Oh, Singlet. Singlet. And there's, and in both of them it's also, and I'm, so I'm realizing also how subjective my, my taste is in it, because it's, it's an exploration of, and Beth's work this for me that feels like these psychic choreographies that feel very theater movement Mm -hmm. that also and I was talking to her last night about watching her perform and it is this thing of acting it is also this thing of a a feeling is coming through and that is it's happening in this very honest way even though we all understand we're at a performance what what Beth is working on physically and what Erin is working on Texturally, I also understand subjectively for myself why I'm so obsessed with them. Yes. Because they're using the form to uncover all these relentless mazes of content. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Dance. I, I really there's, love there's, And so there you have our discussion of dance this week. 
And we um, want to talk about Beth too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like Beth because, well, I think that Beth is now her kind of command over the design and music elements. Mm. I mean, her I don't costume know. designer. I mean, Bailey's work is just Bailey so exquisite. Is so good. And John. I think she's found in her collaborators like a group of people who can execute this like extremely beautiful world that makes perfect sense for what she's trying to do choreographically. And mm-hmm. also, the performers are yeah. sensational. Yeah. Jennifer, my, amazing. My dark twin. Danielle. Joyce. Joyce's incredible. Kevin. They're all incredible. Beth. Beth. Even the crew guys with the broom. Amazing. The crew guys. I mean, and that there were, that there was a trash dance in it, that there were stage hands, these things that we've seen before in, in contemporary Well, the way that it magically making. transformed from like, Beautiful to trash and back to beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say back on the trash dance and the the crew guys. These are things we've seen before. I was thinking about oh, here are these things that of course we've seen before because just of the history. Does of anyone perform. think they're making dance that we haven't seen? I am curious. Of, I wonder. I think maybe some people do think no, that. No, that person's delusional. Yes, <laughs> I was gonna say uneducated. But, oh, that too. But you know, there could they could be both. Uh-huh. There is something delusional about being uneducated and back to Republican senators, <laughs> um, uh, and that Democrat, Democrat. I love that I was like Democrat Mansion. I literally went to West Virginia, and even how I was going to describe him. Did you see how theater came through me and the accent I chose wow. at that moment? And there you have it, psychic transmissions of the things you're exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's it, it, but it's how you do it and how you use it. And again, the, the use of these forms for the content being explored is clearly, for anyone who's heard the podcast, my, my thing. Um, I finished the Great British Baking Show. I had already finished there that. There is no new season of Project Runway right now. There is lied. Oh, wow. Well, someone wrote it to me, and I guess they're, they're a liar. They're switching back to Bravo. The whole cast is changing. There's no oh. more Heidi and Tim. What? What do we have to expect? Oh, well, then I'm not watching it. I mean, I'll watch it. Who are they, then? I don't know. What, can you imagine if we were it? It'd be a great show. And I'd be like, well, I don't know anything about design, but I liked that. And and, the, and and you like turn to me and you're like, it all can't be black. And I'm like, I'm not talking about it being black. I'm Nina, talking about the texture. Nina hates black things. I know. Well, I don't particularly care for Nina's taste. No, it's not great. So there you, there you have it. Sorry, Nina. It, I'm not. She listens. As Whatever. <laughs> She's rich. She doesn't care. Um... Uh, I once what? saw her fall out of a Hagen doss on like seventy second, seventy third Street. Or something. What? She literally came out of the Hagen doss with an ice cream cone and fell down the steps. Yeah. Did you try to help, or you just yeah. step over her? No, oh, you tried to help. That's she was nice. had a really, she had a good sense of humor about it, but it was. Tr- so crazy. did you grab her or like help her? In a bunch some of way? people walked towards her and helped her. New Yorkers aren't garbage people. I saw that girl. So she, what's uh, her name? Saoirse Ronan. No. Mammoth from Girls, Zosha Mammoth. Zosha Mammoth. Yeah, she was on Girls. I didn't really watch that show. Oh well, I, I sat next to her, next mm-hmm. to her on the subway. Uh-huh. And? Stars are so unassuming in New York. It's nice. And what happened on the subway? She was doing her Facebook. She has Facebook. Or what on her phone? She Facebook's was on her phone. Gross. People just need to switch to Instagram. Um, or the layout of Facebook has to be better, and I'll go back to it. 
I wish that the background of Facebook was I black. I think Facebook's going to get canceled or something. There's bad things happening. On Facebook. I haven't been on it Something in a bad is happening. News. About Facebook? Yes. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't seen that today. A lot of accounts got gone. A lot of accounts got gone on Facebook. Got gone. Yeah. Gone girl for yeah. Facebook. Yeah, like, I'm talking about, like, millions. What? Yes. When? God maybe mine's knows. gone. R- I wouldn't Russell's know. Russell's went, and someone else we know, too. Oh, maybe my Facebook account is gone. Could be gone. I haven't looked at it in such a long time. Um, what else have I seen on that TV channel called Instagram? Uh, I don't know. Oh, did you ever watch Trixie and Mattel. Katya do, uh... <laughs> Is that the title of the yes. show? <laughs> no. It's real, watch it. It's so good. Oh, where it's they try really to good. think of things? No, they just talk to each other about stuff. It's but, like a podcast, but with a camera. But they go, uh... That's it's the name called, of the show. Yeah! <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. It's like U H H H N. It also could just be uh. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Um so Alright, well there we go. You guys watch Brad make garlic miso on Bon Appetit. Okay. Jeremy's into this show called Forever. I watched it. I'm not done yet. I've been watching. I only watched a couple episodes. I liked some of that. I like it. I went to an old Betty Davis movie I've never seen called Old Acquaintance. Where? Oh, I was like, uh, Jeremy rented it for me or something. I really wanted to watch it. I you went to it. Can you imagine? (laughs) I went to see Betty Davis in... You know, like the IFC or whatever. No, no, no. But wouldn't it be amazing if I was like... So I was hanging out with... But like, this is when we know the podcast is turning. It's when I'm like... So I was talking to Betty Davis, and <laughs> da da da, and and you're like, "Well, oh, that's wonderful." I was just talking to George Balanchine. Do you know what I never said? Hmm. We did talk about how we played Ouija at Parker's house with Jen and Matt. Yeah, yeah. But I never told the story of how Jen oh, cheated and made you think that we were talking to your mom. Yeah, and I that kept was saying, "Jen, are you moving it?" And, and she, she was like, like no. "No." And then finally, she's an at the end, actress. she's like, "You guys, someone always has to move it." I pushed it. I pulled it. <laughs> I pulled it, I pushed it. <laughs> she said, she said, because it was moving. It was like, we were like, is this my mom? And it was moving over towards yes. And they were, and we're screaming. Jack and we're was like, like, tears in his eyes. I, um, well, that doesn't take too much. And I was like, what's happening? And then you were like, Jen, because it was moving towards Jen's direction. And then it moved away from Jen. You were like, Jen. And she was like, you guys, I'm really not. Look, and she would take her fingers off at just uh-huh. the right time while it was already had some movement uh-huh. from her. And it's true. Yeah, you guys, that's true. You guys Someone always true. has to move it. I pulled it, I pushed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just repeated it's such your a good story. Line. But it's because I know how people listen. So sometimes I have to repeat things because I, I know it, that I pushed people it. might be spacing I out. It, I pushed it. I pulled it, I pushed it. Someone always has to move it. Should literally be what's on the box of an Ouija board. <laughs> it should be like Ouija and then The game quotes. of pulling and pushing. Yep, the game of who's pulling and pushing the, <laughs> the thing around. Um, that's really good. There is a movie coming out that we've already talked about it. It is me. No, I am Greta. The upcoming Isabel Huppert film. Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the movie. Just I am. It has. I don't know when it's coming out. It's driving me crazy. If you listen to this podcast and you have any way of getting me that film, please help me. I have to. Well, screeners will start coming. You know, in the new year. I don't know if it'll 
I don't know if it'll be. I hope it's up for something. I mean, it's directed by Neil Jordan, who I Do love. Do you get the sense that Lady Gaga is going to sweep everything this year? I have a sense that she's going to win the Oscar. Me too. And I'm guessing that because Emma Stone did. Have I seen the movie? No. We won't. <laughs> I, I might. Oh, you will? Okay. People have been writing about how much they love it and whatever and stuff, and that's great. People want her to win an Oscar. Uh-huh. Well, people really love her, and good. That's fine. She has skills. Yeah, she, I mean, she super gives me, like, this Cap 21, I like, that was the musical on, theater she went on division Steve of Colbert NYU and yelled about Brooke Kavanaugh, and that was nice. Oh, great. Yeah. I love that. All celebrities just come down on them like a ton of rocks, because we are certainly in the, the politics of personality. Mm. Uh, we have a president who is uh, able to use invoking hate, which is an easy emotion to do. I love that he tweeted about how you can't give a flame to rioters. It was something like, the Democrats are rioting, they're violent and all of that. And it was great because someone had like taken that and put the photo of all those KKK boys when they stormed that campus. (laughs) Remember that? It's like, come on girl. It's like, no, you've drummed up the base of like, true evil this this is not rioting this is trying to push people back from like murdering people based on race and uh, being a woman but let me tell you what patriarchy includes the patriarchy includes women like i think of laura ingram or whatever her name is she's this hideous vile woman who was like this was so great this happened and you know what i feel like this is going to be the year of the man where we what? really return to appreciating that men are the rulers. What? Oh, yeah. Laura Ingraham. Who is she? Some garbage conservative. She wrote she... Little House on the Prairie? Laura Ingalls Wilder? It is Laura <laughs> Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> and she was like, my daddy knew best. <laughs> men, no. Return. You know? Uh-huh. It's just... It's, you know, it's, I'm sure she comes from trauma. It is absolutely clear that this is Stockholm Syndrome, honey. But whatever, she's a garbage person. Hopefully she just gets, like, hit by a truck. Um, and now our interview. <laughs> and now our interview with Terry O'Connor. Ladies and gentlemen, other we are here with Terry O'Connor. <laughs> we are up at we are we are we, we can leave the windows yeah, open. Okay, okay, It'll okay. be it will just have like a kind That's of right, New York a chirp, a chirp now and then. Yeah. We'll have a chirp now and then. I mean, we're looking out. Truck. We're lo- looking out over <laughs> a mugging, a mugging, <laughs> a murder. Looking out over this basketball court. Have you ever heard anyone get murdered outside? No, or it's screaming pretty or? well behaved. It's actually really nice because. How long have you lived here? Seventeen years. That okay. is incredible. And That's, where were you before that? Christopher Street for about 10 years. So this is your neighborhood. It is my neighborhood now. It's not my neighborhood now. It belongs to other people, but it used to be. Right. But it used to be your neighborhood. I oh, mean, yeah. I lived so, in New York yeah. since 97. When did you move here? Um, 80. Okay. Well, then he beat me a little you bit. You might have heard. You beat me oh, a little bit. I'm old. That's also when I got to New York City. That's right. You yeah, were born in 1980. Wait, do this again. When I say 60 years old, you're supposed to register shock. <gasps> 60? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, I've been here a long time. So. You ha- did you have you ever seen Slaves of New York? Of course. I mean, <laughs> so I just went back to revisit that. Yeah. While I currently can't yeah, do you anything, can revisit. you can revisit. Yeah, I can. I can revisit anything, and I was like, 
it made me so nostalgic mm. for a New York that I didn't even live in because I moved here in '97, so I moved here but right when it was still okay. You can feel its effect, totally. and it's like, oh, it's just God. I mean, were you here when Mother was over there? And yes. It was like trans- so I was still I mean, here during to, Mother. I used to look out here in the morning and see someone with a boner coming out of a denim skirt getting head from a taxi driver, <laughs> and it felt like home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was just like, and that's the New York like, I miss. There was like an under. There was an underneath layer that gave it texture here that's completely Kardashian. It is, it is gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's, gone. it's really yeah. gone. No, I was still here because Mother was still going on. I mean, because I remember... I mean, I was even thinking back to shows I still saw in the late 90s at The Joyce. Like, I remember when Mark Dundee had I'm Going to My Room Now to Be Cool and I Want to Be Left Alone. Was that during Altogether Different? That was the name of the piece. The name of the show was yeah, I'm Going yeah. to My Room to Be Cool Now and I Want to Be Left Alone. So and I was title. like, this is amazing. There was, there was more earlier than that. There was, like I the Wawa Hut and the Pyramid Club. You don't know about those things. I do. Right? I do. I do. I do. I do. I remember that. Um, I don't know what that is. Because, but that was... Well, it was all going away. It was definitely well, going away. Well, but all of that was stuff like... I mean, the first... Like, I've talked about I See this Guys was still around. Yeah. Remember yeah, I yeah, See yeah, Guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. shit's really gone. Well, there was like... There, it was anyway, the bar the size of this started, apartment. But. And then this guy would go... Would like, go, go. It was smaller than this apartment. It was half the size of this apartment. And a guy would like, go, go. And he would get... I remember him getting on a a bar stool because Cherry Tavern which is maybe still yeah, there was a straight bar yeah. he would get naked get on a bar stool and spin around outside Cherry Tavern with his like asshole to them being like ah. it was another time was another where time. were you before New York? I was at Purchase and then I grew up in Rochester outside of Rochester you went to Purchase I went to Purchase yeah. like me yeah oh you went to Purchase briefly yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a dropout I was too you were? I went, I went two years as a theater student Ooh. I was in an acting company there and then I found a dance Mm-hmm. And then I only went for two years. And then they were like, you have to come for another year if you want to get a degree. Because they were all like, conservatory, you have to go back and be a freshman. I was like, how can I say this? Oh, no, I don't. Bye-bye. So and then I got into Matthew Diamonds. I've been there four years. I oh did a full four years. Long. No. It's and then I so went to an audition. I got, no, I didn't get a degree. I have no degree. Same. I just left. I was like, I'm not staying here. But and I got into a company. <laughs> well. I went to <laughs> <laughs> so different. <laughs> different. Um, different and safe. Did you see my summer pretties? I, I what? Your summer pretties? Pretties. My summer pretties. Yes. Nice. Did you this wrap is, these? No, oh, I the got them like sweat. this. Jerry. We're looking at we're looking at some lights. We're looking at some lights and ribbon. Some uh, some, some <laughs> real flowers, flowers from my friend's garden and some yarn wow. dots. From Walter Dunderville. Love, uh, love Walter. Love Walter. There's many things. All the good stuff from Walter. Walter so much. Okay, yeah. but you grew up in Rochester. Walter's apartment. Did you want to be? You, did you want to be an actor first? Yeah. Yeah. You might have heard of my. Um, I was in Oklahoma at the Webster High School. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> Were you okay, Annie? Or no, I was. I was. Ellie was, was, was Hackam. Yeah. But then I was also the dream Curly in the Dream Ballet. Yes, honey. and I weighed like two hundred seven pounds, and I was three feet high. I was. I was fat then. Got skinny and not fat again. But, but I was like. But I, before I came out of the closet, I was a. I was a mega. I closeted myself inside right. of food. Right. Then I came out of the class and was like, Vroom. anchovy, there I am right there. I mean, it's Without stunning. doing anything. Without, Without doing anything. Really just being like, I'm gay. And the, the pounds just shredded away. Yes. Uh-huh. And was this in college? Pounds. Yeah, in my second year of college. My, well, my first year of college, I came out finally. And you were like, I'm a ballerina. No, I was I was taking class with amazing Aaron Osborne. Do you, do you know Aaron Osborne? Uh-oh. He was Well, he was like an amazing dancer from the Moan Company. He danced with Lauren Lar- Lar- Rob. know him really well. 
phenomenal. He did this class, and I was like, oh, yes, I'm driving this. I was like, I just could feel it. And I, I just was like, this is it. And I said, you know, after I would do one more kind of play about being someone's husband and the acting thing, and then they talk about her, I was be like, I'm not anyone's husband. Okay, so I gotta right, go. Exactly. I think you have it wrong. I am Plus Lady like, Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> <I think wrong. laughs> no, and then we were doing, do you know Working by Studs Terkel? It's a book that he did about people, just interviewing yes. people working. Yeah, It was yeah, like yeah. the new Spoon River anthology yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. doing... For labor. About labor. For labor, yeah, but yeah, for yeah. doing um, monologues. So I was doing uh-huh. one, and I knew I was leaving, right. and I was doing one about a guy who was interviewing some friends, he was an ex-cop, and I was talking to my wife in the kitchen, being like, can you get some coffee? And I just to fuck it up, I kept going like, do you have any lobster? And I just kept going back to the door, and I didn't ever start my monologue, I got in trouble. Oh, at Purchase? Yeah, you know, uh, Parker also got it. Parker, Parker went to Purchase, yeah, yeah. and she got in trouble, too, at I Purchase. didn't get in much of I knew I was leaving, I was like, I'll see you later. I don't want to really say, like, good, my lord, that much longer. I gotta right. get out of here. When, and what... Was there a specific dance class that happened? It was this guy's yeah, dance Aaron, class where Aaron you were Osborne like, you know what, this acting. is more my thing. I was just completely swept away into it. And I had a real, it was just very easy. I mean, I had total legs, like we're yeah. up here and then, and you know. And it just was really natural to me. I had, I had always danced, you know, danced somehow, but kind of kept it really, had it as much as I could, like really right. repressed rhythms, Flintstone <laughs> kind of rhythms. Right, know? right, as well as like doing, <laughs> so just being dream curly. Yeah, right. like that. well, that was... That was an apparition. They were like, "Do you want to do this?" I was like, "Yes." And then after that, my friend Karen, Karen um, Wheeler, and I, we cut out pictures because Garth Fagan was in Rochester. He's still in Rochester, and his company then was called Bottom of the Bucket Butt Dance Theater. Bottom of the Bucket Butt. Yeah, that was what it was called. B U T T. Bottom of the Bucket Butt. No, B Bub Butt Up. Bub. Bub. Oh, bub. Oh, oh, I really <laughs> thought you said butt, and I thought it was bottom of the bucket butt. Yes, bottom of the bucket, comma, butt, B-U-T. Oh. Oh, oh bottom my of the God. bucket, yes. butt, moving on. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I get it, comma, yeah. butt. I really thought it was, it was, it was like thought, 71 or something. I really thought bottom of the bucket was the kind of description of the butt, and I yeah. was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. I was like, no. she was very punk. Nothing was very punk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she was nothing. <laughs> What's the graphic then? Outside of Rochester. Wait, so Garth Fagan was having his company in Rochester. He had Rochester. his company in Rochester, by the way. And my friend Karen Wheeler and I picked, took pictures from the, from the paper, the the Democrat Chronicle, cut them out and put them in the row. We made a dance up, and we did it the spring project. And I was like, and I was severely closeted. Wow. And we did it, and it was you know you can imagine the horrible mess it is was. But then after my friend Joe said. You know, I, my father thinks he might be a fag. And I was like, <gasps> I just felt like blood <laughs> come out. And I was like, wow. you know. And I had been dealing with that for so yeah, yeah. long. Yeah. And it was like murder land. You know, it was like yeah. rural, suburban yeah. and rural you mix. Yeah. You would be killed yeah. you know, if you are gay. Yeah. So it was very intense. It was really intense. It was really, really intense. And then I came uh, out and I was like, da Where did you bring you, you came no, out of purchase. I came out to people. Right, at friends. Yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were like, and I'm a model. Can you imagine? No, I'm, I'm a f- completely freaked out nothing that can dance. Jerry, you're beyond, like super stunning. I was also well, thinking that I saw that video. I saw it was way back when there was this a, a Jetson where they showed videos of earlier dance pieces. And it was, I think, boys in the title. Boy, boy, giant baby. Boy, boy, giant baby. Yeah, that's my first duet. Yeah. Which I saw, which they screened. And so... Uh-huh. 
at uh, at Judson, I think, is where we watched it. Yeah, I um, and it was like 2008 when they showed all the they showed like an old dance noise. Those were and they showed oh, the Roseanne Spradlin thing yeah, yeah. where she's walking on bricks, I think yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Wood, and wood. that and that piece, yeah, and it yeah. was like, watch out, everybody, someone's coming to take your man. I mean, it's really, <laughs> and it's also. I wish I had even any confidence. I was like really a wreck, but well, you wore it well. Yeah, it, you wore it well. It and also, yeah, like speed, really. Oh yeah, no, I definitely had all that stuff, and all of my family, I go home and see them, and they're like. Ah! The feet are like you could build you cars in your Really? Life. Everybody. Wow. Everybody, yeah. Well what happened at, when you left college and moved to New York? What were like the first steps you well, took? Well, I in college I realized I wanted to choreograph. I didn't really ever want to dance with anyone. And I don't know why I had that kind of fortitude either. I just was wow. I wasn't well, at that point it was like Trisha and Merce and all the people who were coming from their companies who were, you know, definitely bringing their the embodiment was coming from those those techniques Trisha right. Merce yeah. yeah and then I met Enzo and also already had some, and we both he's a choreographer also in Italy and we were both like it feels like we don't want to get stuff on our bodies we just want to like filter something yes and also after that there's the whole Judson thing coming up and I was like I don't want to say no to things yeah it's like well, and also you came my, from acting. I came and from theater. acting. And I also came from pop. I know. I really am well versed at music, pop music, all kinds yeah. of music, all kinds of theater. And I didn't even know that you should judge one over the other yet, really. Right. But some critique was coming out of me about dance. Is like I was like, okay, I love this, but it's super sapland. Yeah. And it was the melodrama in it was would drive me out of my mind, and to this day. People see work where people furrow their eyebrows and think that it's dramatic. Right, 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 right. <laughs> seriously think that it's something I mean, instead of like completely Don't even bullshit. get me started. Well, no, I mean, I don't. I, I'm past it. It's because it's not going to ever end. People, right. what people want out of dance is not what I want to dance, and uh-huh. that's just kind of different, different like focuses. But that was happening when I was young, and I wasn't. I didn't know what was going on. I was just starting to like separate out and differentiate like what I might want to do but I knew I didn't want to dance with anyone I don't know why that was and then I just started making stuff after like two years in the city but it's I mean there's it's definitely or for me in watching your work in terms of things compositionally mm-hmm. I also I have felt that I've I've seen um, valence of ballet as well did oh, you sure. have what was your ballet training well, when I went to purchase, it was all ballet. Jacques D'Amboise was the dean then. Incredible. And I got a lot of ballet, got which it. was good. Got it. But right away, kind of different from the way that people kind of in this post-colonial moment are critiquing stuff by kind of abrogating the form, uh-huh. I problematized it and brought it into the yes. work right away. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was perfect for me with my complete and utter lack of self-confidence because ballet is like the new coat you try on when you're kind of fat and you're like, well, I guess everybody's wearing it. You know, and it's the same thing with ballet. That's how I used it. I would put it on people who were trained in it or not. Right. And we would talk about it. We would say, like, this is, you know, this is a rich, this is coming from a huge history of white male empowerment and people kind of succumbing to it and any other, and any other, and then putting ballet right next to something that was much less identifiable or acanonic somehow. Yeah. Was the language I was starting to build, even though I didn't know that yet. And now that's what it is almost completely is like anything I want to use it's like a polyglot like like the English language you know like you say the word enough no no one points out like you know that GH is from uh, ancient Germany you know you're like People point out the ballet in my work and all that stuff, and it is in there. But I'm not looking at it as a critique. And it doesn't. And it doesn't feel that way. I mean, I do feel that it's something that 
I mean, I'm, we'll start off right away by saying you are certainly the person I felt most inspired by and a sense that I could make work. It was you. Oh, I, nice. It was it was seeing your work was what made me feel that I could approach. Let me get you some ribbon. <laughs> exactly. You can give you give you some ribbon and then tie it around my wrist and I'll wear it forever. It was seeing it was it was having made these stabs at trying to make mm-hmm. something, and coming from theater and coming from Graham, mm-hmm. and wanting to do something that wasn't either of them but would use them. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. I I was too young to understand form and content yeah and what I what I looking back now as I've turned 40 at my early making it was a thing of how much I loved that I saw that you didn't prize form over content or content over form but Mm -hmm. that they worked together and steered each other yeah and that kind of dramaturgical steering wheel Mm -hmm. was so I, I still I can't think of anyone and when I said to you after um uh, it was the show at the kitchen. What was your last show? The Goodbye Studies. The Goodbye Studies. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. that I, now in terms of the education that I got, a lot mm-hmm. of it informed by read, I would say, mm-hmm. and then doing my own research and going to see more and more things out of my 20s and, and that wasn't Graham. Um, I, I feel that if I look at the link of what happened after Pina to where we are now, it's you. And I feel, and I get to say that because wow. I believe what it. <laughs> well, it's not flattery, actually. I think it's if I look at what people are doing in terms of ballet and theater, different forms of dance, as well as exploding pop culture, and backed by psychology, that there's also this deep current of a psychological issue going on, which I feel is also very mm-hmm. Pina. And then it's getting broken down into these ways where you're like, oh, there's a trio going on back there while a duet's happening here, and here comes a quartet. Mm. So I'm also watching like more these sort of ancient things in a lexicon, but getting used mm-hmm. in a very contemporary way. Was there specific me, work that you saw when you first got here that like opened up your mind to feeling like you could make something or you I had something to Cunningham say? Cunningham was mm. something. But mostly when I, you know, I lived in Italy for half the year when I was with Enzo. And you every year you would live there for half the year. Almost every year, yeah. That's that why I didn't really chic. Well, it wasn't very. It wasn't very like um, Dolce Vita. It was like we were scrub, you know, putting coins together to right. still stay together, you know. But I would make a work here and then be like, "See you later." I wasn't promoting myself for the first ten years of my life. I was too right. afraid to do that. But when I went there, I learned a lot about film. I started seeing film. He was really into film. I got really into film. And, and in Rome, in the 80s, there was still a lot of crazy film being shown, right. as well as made still at Cinecittà. But the, they, I got into that language, and, that, and I started to see like the Nouvelle Vague and all, those people, all these French um, directors and everything. And it showed me just this other way to look at where content can reside in a work, you mm-hmm. know, especially if you look at something like... Um, Truffaut had this statement it's not exactly but something like the mise-en-scene is much more important than the subject matter right so if you do a a shot a a film about a divorce and the couple's talking and it's on the table the shot's on the table or it's outside of the dog or it's on the couple those are three completely different films you're making just because of that relationship between form and content right Mm. and that taught me a lot And, and then I just had these permissions because I never worked I, the first thing I did, again, in a really innocent way, was I didn't ever work with music because I thought, why do I want to take a work of art that's finished and do something to it? I never, right. never understood that. Right. Later, I became more critical of that, and it was just dance 
always not being the protagonist and being the secondary part of an art form I still right. don't understand it's like I'm not going to make a painting to your book right and just not doing that you know that was just for me and then by doing that I unearthed a whole other kind of structural ideation that was between music you know metered known music and the music of psychology and dream world and those kind of things and meshed started to really make bring me into what I made finally you know and then seeing people who gave themselves permission in these other kind of films that weren't commercial to do really crazy things like, you know, be in the middle of a shot that's about something really dramatic and then just stay with one person and, like, the film would space out and not be about that anymore. You know, all this stuff. That's where I learned a lot. And I was learning Italian at that point, which is another thing. The syntax of, like, having a language and learning a language, and I was starting to make all my work then, that was really important to my work. Right. Because some of the, I think, I guess I would call it inorganic kind of sequencing of information I do in my phrase work and my structuring is a kind of queering of language, I think. Yeah. It's an undoing of yeah. the, the, the underlying kind of structure of grammar and stuff, the place where you could, even in a place of danger, you can change the end of a sentence if someone thinks it's too gay. Right. You know, right. there's a whole bunch you can do with grammar. On any, not just in terms of that, but it's a completely the place where subterfuge is enacted, not in the words, but in the grammar, the structure of the revelation of the, as they come out, and that is all over my work. Well, in your love of language, which, and then I would say, in terms of psychoanalysis and that being birthed out of literature and how that happens, and seeing that not only inside of the pieces I've seen that have text work in them, mm-hmm. but. It is, that was another thing that at least now I feel, I've, I feel I started to find um, after the first few pieces of actually where my choreography related to the syntax of the way I also use, abuse, queer, abstract language. Mm-hmm. And that is something else that I had never seen before until I saw your work, which was mm-hmm. actually the way the phrase work itself had a phrase of language mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was clear, so clear. It also wasn't vague. That was another thing that I deeply appreciate is um, not vague yeah. in, the, in the making of your work. Is well, it only like many... I feel like in hearing you talk about your work, you have like a kind of uncanny ability to reflect on it. And is that only from like having been teaching and having a lot of time to really think about it or mm-hmm. having other people talk about your work? Uh, it came early on from a kind of dearth of good critical writing about dance for me, actually. Mm. Who were those people? Well, it was the early New York Times trio, Jennifer Dunning and Jack Anderson and Anna Kisselgoff, who, uh-huh. for me, were basically like <laughs> your aunt looking at ballet and looking at the style of it and stuff, but what I was working on with the materiality of dance in a room, mm-hmm. they didn't know what that is. And I could see in their writing, they didn't understand this, how, how structure has content in it, how structure and rhythm are political, how they reside in and outside of certain source areas, and that I was really complicating that. And no one was saying that. So I started thinking, and the other thing was, most of the text that was used for theaters and stuff to talk to the dance audience was completely infantilizing. Right. And I thought, what if I were to kind of start to really understand how to say something about dance that really brought people to this? I used to read, like, Art Forum and Art in America when I was really young, and I would read all the, you know, like, um, Roberta Smith and all those the kind of writers in the Times, and I'm sure some artists have complaints about them, but it was erudite. 
it wasn't like explanatory and it's for stupid mm, people. Right. And I used to go to Ansel and I used to go to shows when all this when all the galleries were in Soho. And we lived we lived on Prince Street in Soho and went to the galleries every Saturday morning. New York was a much more local affair then. And I would read about it and be like, Oh my god, these people know so much about this thing. Mm. There's so much more information in that thing. I could see how information could live inside of an artwork without being explained there and I learned so much by that but I wasn't finding that in dance Right. I was right. finding people comparing one dancer to another dancer who had done the same role <laughs> and the application of <laughs> ballet ideologies kind of pointed at things that people, young people were doing that were like no no that's the wrong gun don't right. aim that gun here Right, right. and then these people would decide who was going to be important or not right so I was definitely excoriated for a lot of my work by these people at the beginning, you know. Well, you were also around it, and <clears throat> that you were making work at this time where I feel the renaissance of choreographers, which I think choreographers had done before that, but it was showing itself in a new way of actually pulling from different things, such as, and again, another thing that I love is film was my main, that was my right. first and main love. Yeah. Um, I didn't have dance. I grew up in like a shithole. So it was film, not even live theater. So I think also pulling from film, then looking at abstracting at what are the, what what camera techniques and how to abstract that in terms of dance. That's one small thing of many, many, many small things that choreographers were starting to use and look at and actually have rigor around. Not just, oh, I think I'll take that and put it on a cracker along with that other thing. Uh And that you so explored that as other choreographers were. And then, however, there weren't people to talk about it. That's true. That's really a truth for me. And, you know, and then I started to kind of create this language. I think one person who was really important to me was Philip Bither, who runs the Walker Art Center. When I was really young, I mean, I forget, I don't know how old I was, but the first time he had us out there Uh was in the maybe 90s, mid 90s, I think. And Philip called me like two times before we went out there, and we talked for like two hours each time. And then he pulled out when we came, where the opening night. He just came out and did this talk about my work. It was so well informed. Plus him adding his information to it mm-hmm. for an audience, saying like, not saying like this is quirky and idiosyncratic. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the two words that need to just be hung. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's something homophobic, I have to say, inside of those words, as someone who's gotten them a lot, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there's a lot of fear around it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It puts you in this other place, and you're like, uh, no. But anyway, he did this thing, and you look at the Walker Art Center's (laughs) audience, because he and the rest of the people there deal with people like they really love art. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they're up to whatever the the thing is, you know, up or down, whatever the matter may be, you know, high or low, but... He's he, there's an exactitude that he has afforded by listening to artists, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so there was that, and then I just started being like, you know, I think with grant writing, and I kind of tell students that a lot that grant writing is a pain. It's difficult. It is. But I would be like, well, they want me to really reduce this down, and I don't want to be a victim of the mission statement. So, how can I get? How can I explain what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. That it is, you know anomalous to some degree without being self-congratulatory and explain that it's 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 both using the canon and exiting it at the same time right how do I do that and I started to be like oh you really have to refine your language you know and yeah. think about that for talks that, like when people aren't do, don't do good talks after their shows I'm like this is the place well this right. is the one yeah. place we have an audience right there right 
And I know people are always like, and 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 the people who run the thing, like after the first question, like, all right, just one more question, and like you know, <laughs> people are scared to death, and it's like coming up on the fear elevator. Their yeah. question, you know, like, yeah. and it'll open up anyway. I think that's really important, and I felt that was important for me to, to like, if my work is ever going to kind of get anywhere in the world, I am going to have to explain it. Right. right. It's exhausting. It was exhausting. Right. But it did start to come out this other thing where I like I really was interested in engaging with people and being like, you know, here's something you might be able to say about your work that might help you situate it in about three different arenas instead of just like squeezing it into idiosyncratic or not, you know, basically. Well, and, what's, you know? But, and what I found interesting too in your approach of, and having been at certain talks that you're at is your defense of dance while also not being precious about it. Yeah. So I have, because I have found, I have been in talks where you have defended dance doesn't have to do anything else except what it's doing. Stop yeah. asking it to fill, like, yeah. let, stop asking us to, like, uh, do medical research with doctors exactly. to make yeah. it something better than what right. it is. It is good. Yes. But you're able to talk about it without being, you know, a dancer dances and like, well, I don't have to say anything about it. The dance speaks <laughs> it's just for itself. The joy of my leg. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, just... gum. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that yeah. shows itself in your work is that also yeah. there's such a there is an ache to your work too of 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 looking to express something. Yeah, I think that's and true. that is yeah. the thing that draws me to. I am, well, I can really get into a formal what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm just a Midwestern girl at heart, so I feel yeah. that, I, no, I, mean, there's, that I need a need. Always a part of it. I, I'm, I'm noticing that right, because right now the culture is, I don't know what this culture is. It's not what I started in. No. And I'm really having to come to terms with figuring out what is the nature of the cultural weather right now, and where do I reside in it, really, in a way. Um, so these questions really come up, especially about expression. Um, when people, a lot of times, a critique of forms or like the avant-garde comes along with an archness yeah. that is not is very 20th century to me, mm-hmm. and not that interesting. So, can you explain that a little more? Because I, I think I know what you mean, but I would like people say, to really I am understand go- that. I am going to negate history. If I include history, if I include dance in my work, it's going to be a joke about it, right. or it's going to be kind of like from a place of superiority or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to proclaim that I'm a visionary and I know something that you don't know by, you know, cutting off a whole bunch of history. And for me, my feeling is that I problematize ballet and many other things and they're, they're they're on ropes with rocks and buckets as I drag myself <laughs> up the hill of making, and they're all part of what's going on I'm right. like the homeless person with like four shopping carts right. in my work I'm not subtracting from it right. for me that's the main the main thing about dance if there's a kind of secular spirituality to it it's really taught me like this kind of spectral thinking about there's this and this and the music of their coexistence is more important than one of them being the winning thought Yes, and I, but I think that is part of that. We're living in a time where people are so afraid of complex. Yeah, but totally. They're so afraid of something being complex mm-hmm. that they're like, yeah. it's this or it's that. And yeah. I feel, I mean, a lot of particularly work that I've seen, I'm not going to, well, I'll just say that some, a lot of European work that I've seen where it's, yeah. it's one thing to the end of the earth, but totally. it's only one thing. 
So they pick just one thing to work on. That's the yeah. only thing that gets worked no, on. No, I agree with that. And I'm like, oh my god, why is this happening? And the thing is, just to go with that, it's as explanatory as doing a piece about a swan, which is also crazy shit. Right, right. You know, like, here's my dance. Here's here's my amazing, <laughs> philosophical, mathematically yeah. amazing thing. But because that's too much for you, we'll put some swan outfits on the kids. Work. You know, right, and it's right. like, but that's what people still want from dance, because dance... Right. Dance proffers, you know, complexity and ambiguity in, yeah. in big, big buckets full. Right. And that's the thing that we've, like, created culture around to restrict and to, to geometrize. Right. And put into spaces that are dealable somehow. You Which know? seems to create a huge uh, avenue for big problems to walk down. Yeah, Such exactly. as the current governmental regime, I would say, is a huge problem of people not being able to of the left they just couldn't stand holding problems together and yeah. it became yeah. so divided that yeah, no, it true. allowed for this one big fascist thing to walk through it's mm. true how did living in Italy you're talking about Mike Pence <laughs> <laughs> you mean my ex-boyfriend um, uh, uh, he was so hideous um, so how did living also just to go back to Italy a little bit because I feel that is such a it's the birth, really, uh, of when I was working. When I started working, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel that so, that is a, that is a very something really rich that I actually hadn't put together yet with your career. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Very, it's a really big part of it. I, re, I mean, all of that, like going back to the language, because I'm fluent in Italian now. I wasn't then, but I worked really hard at it, and I was noticing things inside of, like inside of language, when you're like you're saying the possession of something. Mm -hmm. You know, it is the something of that person, and there's no other way to say it in those languages. Mm. So the way you can kind of juggle words and not even finish the sentence in English, because it's because it is a polyglot language. There's so many kind of constructions coming together in it. You can't do that in the other languages, and it makes you become like a more provincial thinker in a way. And I don't mean provincial necessarily in a bad way, but in a different kind of space. Right. right. It's not as amplified. And then things like, you know, just ideas of, like, where the parenthetical would go in, a, in, a, in Italian or in th these ideas of, like, wow, th all of this stuff about grammar, you know, we have the word cat, and we all can understand kind of what that is. I was just laughing before I put these things on there. I was like, what is that for cat massage? <laughs> My friend we're, Lizzie. We're looking, we're Lizzie looking at some small, what would you call them, Reem? They're towels. They're like they're little, they're little they're towels, but they're on a beautiful thing. A small oh, little wooden table. Cat massage. Uh-huh. You could give a cat a massage on that. I don't know. I was just putting there. I, I just got them. We're looking there. I'm like, what is this? A cat massage? <laughs> anyway, I don't remember what I was saying. Just saying. language. Language Italian. Yeah. yeah, although we have the word cat, that we all understand that. Right. But where each of us would put that in a sentence, how we would use inflection, and all of syntax and grammar is where we individuate. So there is a kind of secreting of the self inside of language. There's the image, yeah. and the same with yeah. dance. The dance is yeah. about facade. Yeah. The, the images in my work, for example, are a total Trojan horse for the kind of psychology to travel in. Right. And they're not important as the kind of structures that they are both kind of um, brought into focus and dissipate through. Right. Those, that's more what's going on, and it comes from language to me. Yep, that's very clear. You know? When did you start working with compo composers and like Broadway Brian? Um, <laughs> no, Brian McDevitt and James Baker, who have did, done all the music. There, James has like, done all your music always. Not all, almost all of it, almost okay. everything I've done, except for a couple things. He, um, 
Here we, we go. To- There's that siren. They're there. James Baker. Um, <laughs> he. We went to school together. And he was Brian, at Brian and, well, Brian. Yeah, Brian and James and I all went to school together. And there's something about those guys are really important to me. You know, I yeah. mean, like James Baker is a genius. He he is ver- well versed in all kinds of music. You know, he's a percussionist at the New York City Ballet Orchestra. He's an assistant conductor there. He conducts Talia, the new music ensemble, and he conducts he conducts Baroque music. I mean, he's a genius. And I always make the work first, and then right. he composes yeah. the work. Yeah. So he gets like a fifty-minute thing laid wow. there and has to come yeah. up with all the music. I mean, I work with him, but to begin with, he starts getting instrumentation, all this thing together, and you know, it's very complicated what we do. Yeah, and kind of almost like too convoluted but the experience of doing it together has been well it's a collaboration I mean you really the way you work with or at least from what I know I mean I had certain insights into that working just from from dating Matthew and hearing about some of the process but I feel that it was it's it it's a real collaboration. Do and you same build the whole like fifty minutes of material or whatever it's going to be in silence, or do you like bring? Yeah, in I work in silence. In silence, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the music happens. Later. I mean, that's what what I was saying before <laughs> about dance. You know, becoming the kind of choreography is like the protagonist of my making for me. So I use it. I am composing by making dances. Right. Also, I'm making these structures that, you know, if it moves towards metered music, I'm referring to the history of metered music in dance. People can lean for it because they kind of know that, and then it will go somewhere else, and they're going to another psychological place or another way of viewing um, by making these differentiations between something that's referential that many people might know or something that isn't, constantly threading those things together so that it goes between known quantities and in, an invention or something like that. So in like the silent process of making like a metered section to a piece, are you like, this is in a three? Oh, let's, yeah. Oh, oh let's make it very, in if those the dancers, if you come and see a showing of it, they'll do it because Jimmy and I used to be, before there was all the computers and everything. We used to take a a, a metronome, metronome, you know, do do the, take down those readings for that, and then it goes into an open space for a minute and twenty three seconds. All of a sudden, it was very okay. exacting. But the dancers could do it in silence, and it would be within three seconds. Wow! Over and over again. I mean, it's really rehearsed. It's really rehearsed. Were you working with groups of dancers in Italy? Or did that start more here? I was doing it here and then leaving. I, I was do, like, I did, I did um, this piece. I did. I started with three years of doing solos on myself. I did a piece called "Construct a Guy," learning sentences, which was about diagramming sentences and the kind of structure behind that, and a piece called "Love Code." And those were three things just to get myself understand. I didn't want to alone. bring anyone in solos that I did. Were you yet. working in studios or were you working in your living room? I had a studio. I happened to live in a loft of a studio <laughs> back in the day. Different times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, different times. And, and I then, would just kind of get up and work there. And I did this piece, Construct a Guy, where I kind of spent two weeks each embodying one of my brothers and sisters. I have six, there's six of us. Wow. And then I kind of made a little language up for each of them, and then I kind of brought that together and melded and made another language. That was my first solo. Like The Nutty Professor. What was that? The I movies with Eddie Murphy where he plays everyone at the dinner table? <laughs> I didn't see that. But I brought it into one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was my first foray into kind of like language kind of um, machination somehow that I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of. Anyway, so I did that. Then I did a duet with Nancy Coonan called... Boy, Boy, Giant Baby. Mm-hmm. Then I did a quartet with Peggy Baker and Chris Batnorris, wow. myself and Nancy, Organization of Sadness. Then I started doing evening-length works from then on of, of groups from 87 on. But it was always, pro- was it primarily project-based? 
Oh yeah, it was project based, but our right. projects. I mean, we we would like meaning you didn't have a company. No, I didn't right. have a company until eighty something. I didn't want to get into all that. But then you did have that. a company. Yeah, then I did. I I, I went nonprofit in eighty six. I think it was. And how? Not eighty six. Ninety six. Ninety six. And then you had a company for. Yeah, I still have a company. I right. mean, it's a company, but it still is project based. I mean, no right. One's, no one's can do that. Right. But There's not like the Terry O'Connor Center for Dance Education. Or no. There should be. <laughs> I, know. I mean, there really should be. No, there be. shouldn't be. I mean, I. That's the thing, like, I look at some of these people that make a... Even, even Cunningham, who I absolutely adore, he's on the top of the shelf, but the technique is like, yeah, I don't know, I mean, that's kind of to do Cunningham with. Right. I don't know what it really does for the body other than that. And I just started to feel like teaching people a, like, a really kind of personalized language and putting technique in it wasn't exactly what was right for me. I actually teach ballet now. I've taught ballet for years. I teach it again from a kind of kind of point of view of, you know, use your own body in here, don't be a victim of the form, but it's got great principles, right? that kind of thing. So I'm doing that now. I teach but it. But don't you find, I mean, when it comes to, because I don't feel that when I'm teaching composition, I'm teaching how to make a Jack Forever piece, but no, I'm no, only no, no, relaying no. certain forms, which are so varied, and then oh, it's yeah. about how, and that those forms will open into other forms for the maker. Oh yeah, and how to, I mean, I'm saying like, look at, you, th there are really no rules, and this isn't right. even like a rebellious thing, it's just like a real simple fact. A diagonal isn't the strongest thing, Doris. Doris. <laughs> okay, Doris? Doris, I'm free. Doris. Oh, <laughs> like the, the diagonal, diagonal was like, oh, the, the diagonal from, kind I think, of, up left really, to down yeah, right. If you're, if you're sitting over here, not really, if you're, right. you know. Anyway, that's kind of thing. <laughs> there is nothing that's true right. about dance, and again, we go to its politics, it's completely democratic. Right. So the systems you bring out of it have to be your own, but you need to redouble your rigor to yep. kind of locate it because they're not canonic. I mean, right. unless you're doing that. Right. But if you're locating this thing that just comes out of you, you experimenting with the material of dance, it won't necessarily find a package that is, you know, um, calculable. Right. It's going to be something that you have to learn about and figure out how, what's the best delivery system for it. You know? Right. So... Yeah, teaching people about choreography is not really teaching them, it's about saying, like, look to yourself and look to yourself relative to all the source reference that you're going to use. Yeah, well, it's almost like teaching creative writing. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it has, it, like it is this thing of whatever its creative practice is going to be. When did you, were you always using text in your work? No. No, I started doing dance, and then I kind of was like, Kind of, this is, I was, would do, did a lot of dances that have, all right, well, mom, just, okay, mom. I mean, wow, it's <laughs> like, what's well, happening? Well, they're trying to get by, and of course, because there's construction everywhere. Well, this street has cars on two sides, too. It's impossible, and that fire truck had to go up, and then they found out there wasn't a fire, and now they're coming back down. They were just hungry. They're getting coffee. Yeah, yeah. they were just hungry, and they were like, excuse me, excuse me, coming through, <laughs> coming through. It's like, I would. It's I like, would if I had that. Me too. Get out of my way. Anyway, <laughs> I want to go. We're going to Starbucks. I'm dangerously close to like starting to push people on the subway stairs. Let me stuff. tell you what. I've never realized you how. <laughs> like I've felt so well. Terry has said, "What are my favorite things?" And we can cut this if you want. Which is every summer you should get to kill one old person. Do you oh, remember I said when you that? said that? Yeah. I think that's wise. You said you said that because <laughs> you said that our everything becomes too much in the summer. Yeah. And that we should just take out one old person. I was every joking, summer. people I, of the sure. world. Yeah, yeah. It was a joke. So here you go, complex. <laughs> but it's a real. <laughs> it thing. was a joke. But 
having, I have to say, having crutches and a boot, what I've realized is actually it is the older people who have been the yeah. nicest to me, who've oh, left totally. to hold doors open for me, and that anyone in their 20s that's like I don't exist, and they're more than willing to just push me down, walk over my <laughs> dead body. <laughs> and I had to realize... Try to sell it first. They sell the body first. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Try I, to see. Yeah. It was, and I was like, you know what, maybe I was like that when I was in my 20s, too. Just so angry. People this, are a lot nicer than, you know, because I have limpage going on right uh, now, and I've joined the kind of people grasping the walls. Right, right. <laughs> and, and people are really nice, actually. I have to say, mostly people are very caring. They're like, yeah. look at that woman with a beard. we got to help her. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, it, She's in trouble. We have to help that, we have to help that woman with a beard. I mean, same for me. They're like, let's help that poor goth girl. But it's um, not, it's, that's kind of like a nice thing to find out, actually. It can be. It can be. So you weren't always working with text. No, I started working, I started working with kind of abstraction, whatever that was, just kind of mm. fell into it. And it always would kind of like formulate into these kind of vignette possibilities and then mm. come out of those, in and out of those. And then at a certain point, there was a certain point that everything was kind of about, I was coming out of the closet, it was about me, it was... I mean, not necessarily about me, but it was all driven by a serious emotionality that I was working out, necessarily so. Then you come out of that, you fall out of the car, and you're like, wait a minute, there's a whole world out here. And I started thinking, like, what does abstraction do? What does it do? And then I started to think, like, well, and I was thinking about politics and dance, and thinking, like, what, why would you use a dance to explicate anything? That just does not make sense to me. I thought, well, what if you, you know, you would just put banners on it and say, like, here's how I feel. This is a really bad thing. So I started, I made this piece, Hi, Everybody. Right. That was I've filled seen. with injustices, yeah. and I just kind of said them. But then I kind of was that of, your first piece with text? No, that was my third piece with text. But the other ones weren't quite as they didn't go so much into monologue right. and stuff. That piece begins. I mean, it begins with Terry coming out and saying, "Hi, everybody." Yeah, and then it opens into the fall of the healthcare system, basically. Well, I was taught that, then or also, not basically, but that is a big valence of it. Yeah, it wasn't because you had a friend who had cancer, and yeah. it was and her trying to navigate. I had Not a bunch of things like that, and help. I had, and I just was trying. I was just seeing, like, what if I directly apply these, like, really clear statements about politics over abstraction? What could happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did that. I did Frozen Mommy. I did Hi Everybody. I did a piece called Mother. And Baby still had that in there. And then I kind of found my way back to, I would really like a word other than abstraction. I hate that because I just see like a de Kooning painting every time I say that. <laughs> But, you know, something, whatever this other realm of kind of openness, and actually, hi, everybody, everybody was really a metaphor for everything. Right. I was starting to look at my work like, I didn't, why would you edit something out? Is hi, everybody, after the world is a missing girl? Yeah, sorry, I forgot that one. World yeah. is a missing girl was first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. yeah. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. That, I love Not that. live. So I went back, oh, oh, so yeah. when Matthew yeah, and I yeah. started dating, I went, yeah. he had all the videos. So oh, that's yeah. how I saw yeah, all yeah, of that yeah, work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved World is a Missing Girl. That was a really good one. It's beautiful and sad. Yeah, and really haunting. Hit, very of. haunting. Well, it was like kind of a really direct thing. I was, I was one night looking at the news, and it, or no, it was in the newspaper. And it was like, you know, this is like, what's his name, Marshall McLuhan, uh, Media is the Message kind of idea. But like, there was a thing about a girl being lost in New Jersey. And it was right next to an ad for Tiffany's. And I was like, mm. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> and you just yeah. think like you just think yeah. like why not put the paper out that day and do a huge announcement? Everyone, leave your job and look for this girl. You know, like right. these levels of value. And I was like, what? I I couldn't take it in. 
And, you know, for me, thinking of, like, losing a child, I, that could make my eyes bleed, you know. Yeah. I, that is a difficult... I'm, I don't, I'm not... Th- I, I kind of register as a mother in my mind somehow, but I don't have children. Same. But that kills Deeply me. Deeply same, yeah. Kills me. So I just was like, well, I'm just going to do that, put that in there, and then put these, press these other things against it. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. I got to the end of those works and kind of found this reconfiguration of putting, putting idea into the work through, like, amplification and inclusion of other things next to it. So it's this constellation of what I, what everybody was a metaphor for everything, as I said. Right. And so I started making these works that became very complex. And the abstraction was inside of that, in, inside of density and complexity. Um, because the text, there wasn't text in the kitchen. The, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the kitchen. The, the Goodbye Studies. Goodbye Studies, yeah. no text no, in no, that. No, no. And then there wasn't text in Rod Iron Fog. No. Um, and there wasn't, but there in Rammed Earth, while there wasn't, I think, explicit text, the dancers told you to move your chair to the next location, didn't they? Sure, right. yeah, but I mean, they're so, being ushers then, I right. think. Yeah, 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 but it still but counts yeah. to me as yeah, it yeah, happened yeah. that, that way. That was the chocolate factory? Yeah. yeah. And then before, it, I mean, and for me, I think the first piece of yours that I saw, and I saw it five times, was Frozen Mommy. And yes. it was, and that was really, well, I think another way that I identified was also this feeling, as you just talked about your mother, there was a thing of feeling, I felt yourself as mother yeah. in a maker way and that was the I had that was what I related to mm-hmm. I related to that I've always been playing my mother and that my mother's the first voice in my head um, I don't know if you remember how it ends they're just standing I'll, there for like four minutes I'll never like forget that. it and they what stand that there is, forever is, and then Matthew falls on the floor crying hysterically but they're standing the there in the, you know, like I had these mothers around me when I was growing up and you would get the like just the no word kind of like what did you just do and then held and everything you know like love authority all these things and at the same time at that point I had quit smoking earlier before I started that and what I did which was kind of crazy but really worked was I whenever I felt the um, urge for a cigarette I would freeze no matter what I was on the street like a bad mime on Bleacher Street <laughs> going into Murray's Cheese one day so I was like <laughs> I was like, they say it only lasts for seven seconds, so just stay. And it did, and then continue. But I was wow. working with Chris. It was seven sec- only seven seconds? The urge for nicotine or something. Yeah, that's I mean, what I read they said. It, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, I read, yeah. some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> In that book, like, for me, quit smoking or for whatever. For me, I was guy. like, that's what I'm going to do. I'll just freeze. I'll like, wow. a, like a, a, a live version of tape. You guys, anyway. if you want to quit smoking, just freeze. Freeze yeah. up, girls. <laughs> but the, then, then the thing was, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing when you do that, and every, how everyone reacts to you. So I did like a pre-workshop with Chris and Sarah. They were both kind of on their way out, but we just did like a workshop of it. And we would stand like that for 30 minutes. We would wow. just freeze. That's, that's what the research yeah. for the beginning of that piece was. And how much kind of movement would just feel like it was like... <sighs> a storm around you when you're doing that it doesn't feel frozen at all you know so and that and then, generated a lot of it yeah. yeah and Broadway Brian made did these lights for that and the end of Rammed Earth that, those your endings on both of them the way that Brian found he dimmed the lights at a glacial pace mm. which Pinter that was like one of Pinter's favorite things to do yeah. at the end of a Pinter play would be to slowly dim the lights they'd all pop back out and then go out right. so it's how you deal with the eye but also Pinter yeah. was an actor yeah. he'd been in film yeah and both in that and especially in the end of Rammed Earth, it was like the end of Rammed Earth. Rammed Earth is Michael O'Connor, though, different lighting. Oh. That was when Michael started taking Well, it. however yeah. you were at the end of that, yeah, I, yeah. it looked yeah. like yeah. the end of an Italian film. And you were just like, what? Beautiful. Heather was kind of just disappeared into the door. Like, it yeah. really. Heather. 
I mean, the people, so when I, also when I started seeing your work, it was Heather, Hillary, Aaron, Christopher, yeah, Matthew. One of the golden moments, yeah. That yeah, company are, was really, I yeah, mean, I didn't, I, think, I didn't get to see the other companies live. Was there something special that happened to you at that time with that company and the way you were making work, or? No, it was every, it was, it was how I chose people who were on board for it. Mm. And, and what did how what did, did that go? Like that, what were the questions you would me, ask? Like very well, I don't have to ask. I got to know. Them. I didn't audition really. Right. I got to know people, and they were part of my propinquity, as it were, <laughs> part of my my life. You know, somehow. But also, the thing for me was the kind of parental psychology that a lot of dancers have. That I'm like, I don't want. I am not your parent. Right. We are doing. We are all going to put on a show and we have different jobs at I'm the director and I'll be making these kind of decisions but you have to be just as present right. in a constant research of what your role could be a million times because it's abstract and it's 40 right. things it's not one thing right. and I want you to enliven every moment for whomever may be looking at it to see what they're projecting onto it yep. you know? so it's a huge work and some people just are like got it right come in and you do like two things and then they're off working on it until you come back to them you know yeah. that kind of people yeah because they're artists they consider themselves artists and they're not like mercenaries they'll be like uh yeah i'll do it what's your name you know terry o'connor like greg yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> greg zuccolo when he came to my audition i asked i asked everybody i said have you seen my work and greg was like yeah he had seen my work he said his friend told him about it he was like who's she Terry O'Connor exactly <laughs> yeah I'll do it but so yeah. um, that, he was really good in the work but um, I'm kind of like and I understand that dancers have to do a lot of work I'm not that's yeah. not I don't, I'm not dissing that but there's certain people who are like you know they're just doing the same thing that I'm doing and mm-hmm. I found them you know like there's Nancy Coonan who's the first person yeah. in the middle of that picture she's the first person I danced with and she was like someone I idolized in school before I got into the dance department right. I'd be like goo eyes you know right. and then I got in there and she was brilliant and working with her you know we knew what the trip was right away the kind of area of like um looking for something as opposed to knowing something that we're going to put out for people you know? well it was also I mean these were dancers who could act I mean, these, well, are they, these are incredible who are up for anything. interdisciplinary want, performers. Before, I think it was on, on um, yeah, World is a Missing Girl, I said to these guys, you know, I'm going to make you guys do, like, full text. How are you feeling with that? And, you know, like, Krista does the, the Missing Mother scream, and it's amazing right. what they do. They were amazing how they came. And it was just about them plowing into it, like, with 172%, you know? Yeah. It was very impressive. Daily, you would watch it and be like, and I'd be like, okay, try, can you try this? Like, I have found it easier to teach dancers how to act than actors how to dance. But not all dancers can get to it. No. No. They really can't. And you have to, as a director, be like, maybe I'll just bring that... <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you know. mean by act? You mean, like, text or just... Act. act with text I think we're talking act, about right act, now but yeah, I'd also yeah, say yeah, there's yeah. a level of I'd also say without text I'd say yeah, just per- yeah. to perform in a way that feels honest to the moment even though that moment as we know because we're in theater is pretend right like it, because what it requires is this level of simplicity and fullness that I think some dancers especially if it's I would yeah. they've just been told to like plaster a smile on and but get should out I there. curl the right brow and then bring the left into it or tea honey they don't know what to do with their face <laughs> right it's also like when I teach grid work like in terms of I teach a, a variation on viewpoints and that's just where you're walking on this grid and yeah um and I ask people to not too soft gaze down at the floor because it just recreates this for me, a Trisha Brown look that's mm-hmm. so specific now that I just, yeah, I'm like, well, you generally just put your eyes up on all the way up, up, 
like yeah, yeah and yeah. then notice what you feel there yeah mm. so yeah no I mean it's like it's about like um, in my case it's about that I, I will come in one day and say something really specific about a whole section and then I'll come in the next day and say something completely different and say I want both of those right not like I want both of those darling like I'm zigzag <laughs> right, right, right. but I'm like let's <laughs> have them you can be on an automatic embodied file system and any night you come up with one aspect and so you'll be in perfect unison with the person next to you but intentionally they might be in a different place mm. but it's decided and they're working on it and they know it really well they know how to go through the roller desk of that and automatically come up with it because of kind of like a, a, a research that is you know vehement almost you know we really were yeah. how well to also to move on how was it to with teaching in terms of the with Champagne Urbana. Yeah, when did you start that? I start that job or teaching? Well that both questions. Well teaching I mean I started teaching I start I was a teaching ballet at NYU for a long time, for nine years or so. And that was just because I when I went to Italy to make some money I would teach ballet there. Oh. And then I came and Clarice saw my saw my class once. She was like, "You should sub at NYU." And then they hired me, so that was all I got to do. Then I had that job for like nine years, and I could come and go, so tour and stuff, no problem. They always came. This was good. And then I, with movement research, I started to be like, you know, I just was like, oh, movement research, and I started to see like dancing people with tights with lab coats on and be like, Me research movement. <laughs> I was like, let me just take that really obviously. And I would start to deal with my work like research project, like do something for two weeks and be like, all right, that's one lab. Let me write down what's in there. And I would kind of like just journal it or something. And then go to another one and then start to see like, what are the relativities? And so I would really start working with it in like what I call poetic science. Like I would look at it and try to make these connections, talk to myself about them, and then go back and embody them in the studio, come back and think about them. And I started thinking, this might be something that help, could help people. So mm -hmm. I started doing these workshops in, in you know, composition, whatever you want to call it, dance making for one's own purposes. Then I started doing that and it just started growing. And um, it, it's very important for me to this day because you definitely get, I, I've been using this word face cracking and none of the, they don't know what it is. That's a word from Rockstar, but you get your face crack, which means like somebody calls you on something. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of face crackage teaching and it's really good because some people that of a younger age are saying saying something that just really challenges your whole gestalt, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of come to terms with that. <clears throat> right. And be like, well, I could be really reactionary and like, you know, kick their asses about that or be like, how do I take this in? This is a real differentiation that's going on yeah. between generations, between cultures. It's always going, but just to keep your eye always on this thing, like if you arrive at certitude, then that's it's bad, over. it's wrong, and that's like a kind of patriarchal modality I don't want to be part of anyway. Right. So to just keep my work in a constant state of questioning, the teaching is really an elliptical relationship I have in and out of that, ask those questions coming back. Mm. Also, I ask, not difficult things of people, but questions that are really like, you know, sometimes you can be like in dance, like, well, we're just raising questions. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but what are, what kind of questions? Like, right. can you push into that a little bit more and bring, not to come up with a kind of denotative orientation, but like, what are you doing? And that's that's what I asked at the beginning of everything. I, with myself, when I started dance, I'm like, what am I? I'm like a person in a city going like, in a room. <laughs> Jerry was and just moving around stuff. That's what we're laughing at. And it was with a certain kind of almost almost kind of Spanish hand. Well, it's, it's a little absurd if you think about it. Like um, other people are like it, going to a job I, and you're like, 
yeah. doing that. So I keep asking, like, what am I doing? Am I like signaling for a plane to come in, or right, right. am I what am I doing? And that question, instead of just being like, I'm raising questions, you know, <laughs> push at what is the what fuel behind that questioning? Why am I doing that? This in the world, and if you want to talk politics, doing this is super political. Yeah, I mean, you're saying no to a whole bunch of parts of culture that are agreed upon by many people, and finally, for Such me... Such as capitalism, to... We can start right this there about money. standardization right. of human behavior is the yeah. most frightening thing yeah. for me on Earth, and that's why right. I, you know, look at... The body. Um, the body and just the work as this place, not necessarily even a protest against that, but an otherness, you know, yeah. another place to live. Right. You know, for myself and any viewers who could come on board with that. It's not going to ever be like, you know, like a film, like a, what do you call those stupid monster films they have now, Avengers. Right. It's not going to be like a Hollywood film or something. Right. It's not going to be like that. I'm not looking for it to be like that. But it is well, an act a of living elsewhere. Yeah, they do. And they have like, you know, a lot of things. They have, you, you just want to say like the whole cast of that be like, can you guys come over to the house because I want to tell you something? You're here exclusively because you're cute, okay? Right. <laughs> you have the acting talent of a safety pin, okay? And you're out here, Mark Ruffalo, being like, I'm an environmentalist. However, there will be a million plastic dolls sold of my image. Wow. <laughs> and everything else, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. These right. people that yeah. are yeah. just yeah. like, they're just like, you, you've, you've accomplished nothing. Right. Nothing. And I don't want to, you know, be in that. The other side of that is like a lot of people who don't want to stay where we are living right. have gone out to Hollywood and writing amazing stuff for television. Now there's a lot of really smart people in the world. Right. I'm not necessarily dividing it across those borders, but doing this, continuing to do this, like I look at this fall, there's so much dance going on. Yeah, like I am going to something literally every day. every night and good stuff. Yeah, and say like, look, Trump, we're doing this. Right. It doesn't include you at all. And we're still doing it. And we're still it's doing it against all odds. In especially Have you ever States. lived at a time that has felt this perilous? No. No. I mean, I consider myself lucky, even though I live in a one-room hovel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I have a job. Hovel. Yeah. I get, you know, m enough money. Not a lot. But young people are a thing for me that's really... I don't know how they're doing it. I'm concerned about it. I'd like to figure out something because I feel like these people come in from university, and I mean they're amazing. From our, we have there's a lot of people from University of Illinois here. It's very impressive, and they come in and basically I think young people do their pro bono work when they arrive in New York, right? Because they're they living do. in a sheet behind a sheet, right, mm -hmm. for seventeen hundred dollars a month. Oh my god, super excited, <laughs> and doing you know contributing to young people making their work. Yeah. And it's a huge contribution, you yeah. know, unnamed, I think. Yeah. Um, when I was young, the NEA had individual grants. Bye, girl. That uh, that went away. Jane Alexander said bye-bye to that. Yeah. She's one of, I mean, she kind of had to, I guess, but... <laughs> he just picked up a, a pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah. I, I do talk about the NEA 4 and the AIDS crisis right away at the well, beginning of I mean, every semester. The, the, I mean, it's... The, the $10,000 a year I got from a young age, as an individual, before I had become... Right. A 501c3. Right. And right. you know how much that, that helped a lot. Yeah. Of course. It's not even yeah. anything, but it helped right. a lot. That's, oh. Well, especially think then, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm I was like, you for a year. Well, I, I, Two I, years. I, I put it on the, it was on the work, you know, I used it to make right. the work. But still, you know, like these guys who did Heaven, Heaven Up North, I did this piece called Heaven Up North, 
Krista Parkinson, Sarah Perrin, Nancy Coonan, Christopher what year? Batten Horse, 1987. Uh huh. Myself and Dara Von Planen. They made $50 for that piece. We worked, <laughs> we worked five days a week, five and six hours a day for four months. And they each made $50. Made $50. Wow. We got a Bessie, though. It was my first. <laughs> Is that when you would still get, like, money? You got money. Yeah, yeah, you got money. Yeah, yeah. No, that was the first time I got a Bessie, and I was like, ah, bam, and I was like, I've lost all my personality because I'm up here. <laughs> Just, uh, M&M. you know, really? So you have so social. When did the social anxiety go away? Is it still there? Well, there's still some there, but much less. I, it, and were you always this easier. funny? I don't know if I was. I was always, like, able to You're kind smart. of fend people off with humor. Same. It was a closeting, you know, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing. But it was really interesting because I lived around a bunch of dullards when I grew up. So I was like, I'm fun. You, know? you are. Well, I think there's also I mean, something in, in the way that comedy so. functions in your work oh, that no. is also political. You guys, I just destroyed you just, I got I got I got I've done that before. It's, this is broken anyway, so. Okay. Let's do we have a towel? Let's grab some of these cat towels. towels right there. There's towels right there. There's paper Reed, towels. Reed, go grab paper towel. Okay. Go grab um, paper towel. We're gonna we will. This is an exciting part of the it's podcast. Where you like knocked a water glass over. <laughs> to see if I reacted a little bit. To, to, to like, all the expensive machinery. Yeah, you were like, let me knock this water glass right over onto the. Can grab, can. Yeah, but you know, do you have that shit backed up? And onto the yeah, ribbon, yeah, most yeah. importantly. Please, just the dare. Because I only have 25 yards of each of these. Oh, God. And it's so cheap. Ribbons water are spots on sale. Um, there's my bag, all of that. I mean, I do. Before we close up, I just, I briefly, I mean, I, 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 I do I'm think sorry. it's important to say something about the humor in the work, and it goes back to the very beginning thing you talked about of, of you know, the furrowed brow meaning serious, and there's something, I, I certainly have my own feelings about it, but uh, I was, was curious to hear about how you feel about humor in um, and comedy in performance actually as if you've thought about it in terms of I've any thought about it a lot because it's really hard it's really difficult because I think I really do think a lot of my the humor that I have comes out of absolute social fear mm-hmm. and it's like it, it did early on that's how I was born that's how it is still somehow um, to just be there is hard for me you know but I don't know how to always like put it in the room with me because it's or, or work with it in the work because it's I'm not in that emergency setting while I'm working. It's very interesting. Right. However, as an atmosphere in the room, I mean, we laugh for the majority of the day mm-hmm. and are completely rigorous at the same time. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it's talking about residing in another atmosphere. It is a place where you say, like, look, we are going to laugh so hard all day and it's going to be work while we're doing it. And we're right. getting something done, you know, and everybody's kind of on board for that and can shift into, you know, like if I say, okay, guys, we got, let's get going. And it's like, whoop. Everybody, you know, me too. I go off. I go off in the street. But so it's it's a kind of like a a love. Well, on the outside, at least, it looks in terms of your performers that it has created a deep vulnerability for yeah. them because yeah, they're so. because I don't know how to arrive at vulnerability without on stage without a sense of uh, nourishment and safety and all of these things. And there's something to a humor takes out the sense of self-seriousness and that you are just yet another fascist mm-hmm. with yeah. your own niche thing to say. I feel like, you know, one of the things that um, we talk about a lot is audienceification. I call it. It's not about being accessible or not, but like 
they're the first audience. The the dancers are the first audience. So in some way, they have to embody the presence of the audience while they're on stage. Like, and a lot of times, I'll have people placed there, just watching, and they take on that persona. But even while they're dancing, they're in a kind of editorial process. They could be. Get, you know, it, it's not like listen, Meryl. You have to cry at this moment. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's like a lot of things could happen here. The structure of the work will be going in one emotional place, and you could be in a couple places when it gets there. You know, to be in just one. So they're really active on stage, also, and being kind of sentient and feeling stuff. You know, so they, that is also, I think, part of how they, it's not just like got it, right? You know, to so. it, and which I feel is this fear that, or at least that I have experienced, that sometimes dance and then art can have around theater. This fear of that it's a lower form. Yeah, I don't. know. I mean, I don't know. There's that you so clearly many. don't have. No, I mean, that's the thing that I, as, as I sit, uh, you know, like I, I had a I got a house up in the mountains for three weeks this summer to just kind of like meditate a little bit. And I didn't meditate because I'm too <laughs> secular for that, but I tried. And then they'd be like, what's that leaf called? You know. Uh, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but I was trying to, instead of, because I'm kind of planning what my next work is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to parse out what it's like right now and part of it was that like for people who make these determinations about this was happening now this is happening this was happening I'm like I really want I have always wanted to stay away from that right because every person is at a different place with that right no one is at you know like postmodernism no one was right at the border that all artists were out there like hands down raise that go at all right some people are bringing like nostalgias in some people are having futures I want to have all of that at once. Mm, right. I don't want to make demarcations. So right now, I'm I, there, a part of me is like I want to kind of blow away the self seriousness of a lot of people in their politics. Great. But I know it's not great because it's kind of like I, I don't want to it make feels a reactive reactionary. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to make, but I'm and and I don't only feel that. I think that people are coming up with some really intelligent things. Right. However, the way that it lives in work sometimes is a way that not so cool. It's really you know. There's some really thin work being made, I think. Well, I think it's also an interrogation of violence. And it's this thing of where self-seriousness and where that a certainty, what that, and what that excludes and what, that al- what yeah. other thing that allows to come in yeah. when things aren't allowed to be complex. And when exactly. they're derided I for mean, being I complex. Really, really the, I mean, I really, really, I mean, once in a while I hear this, and the complexity thing is key for me. It's the it's the cure for everything. It's the Advil for everything. Right. As soon as you start to bring in like a bunch of other voices and a circle of points of view to anything you do, then you're not looking to assert a truth anymore. You're looking at this series of relativities, which is what choreography is doing and what mm. is the only way we'll ever cure anything or help anything. So even my status of wanting to react to this work that's going on, I'm like, no, that's not it. Get out, right. get away, right. think it through, let a whole bunch of things kind of um, like move around in your head. Don't make a decision yet, and then later you, you'll make some work and it will have absorbed what you're thinking. You know. What do you do now in terms of both a maker and a teacher to stay inspired, or does that just continually happen for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like inspiration so much as like what I do. Like, an, I mean, what do like, you do? When I start making a work, I just start making a work. I'm not saying like this is it. Right. This is the work. It's just like I start that process again, and the, my process is very much movement into idea. I just dance, or we dance together as a kind of rumination, 
and then something comes up in my mind and I'll pit that against the dancing for a while and then let it be eaten by the dancing and it's just a process of a lot of observation at the beginning and a lot, and always movement there's movement coming up because I think a lot of times and I think this is really under investigated for a lot of choreographers is like think about what you just put in a row those last four things I could write a book about it that you went from here to releasing some torque to moving forward to putting your arm and looking back I could read just at a referential level like at a classical level what that is I could read like psychologically what that is there's so much going on and it unleashes kind of like dislodges memory for people when they're watching these activities in the brain for the viewer not a fact you're trying to give them but something that they've been through in their body they're the same with I think with architecture and one of the things about dance that I really kind of believe is that it's a hallucination of architecture because every position that people are in refers to either a building or like a dialectic between indoor and outdoor there's a constant reference of place and it's just like place, 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 place building, building, farm, don't, don't, cottage and that's something that you're trying to like I'm trying to fashion somehow or unleash at the same time so um, I forget where I started there that was it. That was I, great inspiration. It was, well, it was about, it was just some, I was curious about, I was just curious about some language around it because I think. How it built. How I mean, it's, built. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of us who are, I'll just say for myself, when I, I'm always curious to hear makers talk about continuing yeah. to make despite, for me, what happens is depression, despair, a sense of blankness. And actually I make from that. Like I start making from the void. That but I'm maybe you don't. In. Maybe you don't. What maybe do you, think? you think that maybe that's a shirt you could like put for sale on Etsy. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't. I'm not saying you don't, but all that making dances does is makes me step out over to a parallel kind of place, no matter where I am here. And then the whole activity I'm engaging in is different from that. It does right. include this, and also is an escape from this. So it's got a lot of different qualities to it. But um, and at it's this not point, you know, I made a lot of. A lot of dance. You go in that room and like, what? Try this, kids. Uh, what do you think? Have I done that? You know, it's, like, it's difficult. It if you look at it as they're only being inspiration. And I think the, the most important thing you can tell any composition class is don't be looking for fun in there. Because that room is like the, a room that you're starting a dance in is an empty room and you're the whole... You'll fill it. But it's like... Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get to unleash your imagination and then to be able to kind of corral it somehow. I don't have anything else to say. I've bloviated enough. I think, uh, but Terry, thank you so much for doing this and taking funny. the time. Yeah, and of course. Yeah, I love you're your such podcast. A genius. I'm and so glad it's recorded because I have to. I'll have to listen to it to really learn all the things you said. Because <laughs> I was staring at you as hard as I could to try to absorb everything you were saying, but my I know, your eyes feeble brain. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I adore you. Thanks for taking Thanks. the time, Thanks. Yeah, Terry. no, it's fun. I really like that you guys do it. Um, Terry, I love you. We love you, listeners. Uh, write us. Who knows how many people listen to us? And Maybe you can apply find to out. go to school at Champaign-Urbana. Apply to go to school at Champaign-Urbana. Apparently the best program in America. I mean, it's, and Abby Zabikowski is there as well, correct? Abby's there, Who yeah, is killing it. Yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. genius. Yeah, yeah, we have to have her on. I've asked her forever, and we'll, we'll yeah. work it out. She'll get there eventually. Yeah. She'll get there. If you want to learn something about dance, listen to this episode. Hi. Oh my God. <laughs>